Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And sorry if my voice sounds a bit off, here I am already uh, whinging about this kind of thing. I'm still transitioning between meds and they've got me loaded up on some kind of antihistamine that's supposed to help with anxiety. So my voice might sound a bit dried out and I might sound a bit slow or slower than usual because I feel kind of wonky. Anyway, it's Sunday, April 10th as I'm recording this and you might be able to hear the uh, New England rain in the background. Seems like it's always raining when I'm recording. Um, And so I have a few topics or stories to cover today. And I think the first one will prove interesting, especially if you're someone who's familiar with the old-school so-called online atheist community. It involves Robert M. Price, and I've been an admirer of Price for years, and I actually think it was friend of the show Crocoduck who first brought him to my attention, but there was this strange little synchronicity. Well, synchronicity has almost like a mystical connotation or implication, a coincidence that took place recently that kind of um, urged me to Uh, or put the idea in my head to cover Price on the show. Firstly, there was this H.P. Lovecraft documentary on Amazon that I had been meaning to watch for some time. I believe it was released in 2020, and it's entitled Lovecraft, Fear of the Unknown. It's really good. Somehow it manages to both be concise and yet very uh, insightful and in-depth at the same time. Um, And this probably won't come as a surprise if you're a Lovecraft fan, but it's also somewhat dark and depressing on a couple of counts. Lovecraft's a legendary horror writer whose stories were incredibly dark and macabre. And then secondly, the man's personal life was also pretty dark. But they interviewed a number of notable people for the documentary, uh, such as Guillermo del Toro, John Carpenter, and yes, Robert M. Price. Price is known for being both a biblical and a Lovecraft scholar. He hosts or hosted, I'm not sure if they're both uh, still extant or not, uh, but at least two different podcasts, The Bible Geek and The Lovecraft Geek. And I'll actually read a bit from this Wikipedia blurb. Wikipedia, I know, I know. Robert McNair Price um, is an American New Testament scholar. His most notable stance is arguing in favor of the Christ myth theory, so mythicism, the claim that a historical Jesus did not exist. Price is the author of a number of books on biblical studies and the historicity of Jesus. A former Baptist minister, Price was a fellow of the Jesus Project, a group of 150 individuals who studied the historicity of Jesus in the Gospels, the organizer of a web community for those interested in the history of Christianity, and a member of the advisory board of the Secular Student Alliance. He is a religious skeptic, especially of Orthodox Christian beliefs, occasionally describing himself as a Christian atheist. Price eventually moved to a maximalist position in favor of the Christ myth theory, believing that neither Jesus nor Nazareth itself existed in Roman Galilee. 
And so if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I lean left politically. And I've known for a while that Price was somewhat right-leaning and that to some extent he was even a Trump supporter. I think it's probably just human nature in a sense to want others to see things the way, you know, we do, especially if they're people we admire. But I try to be open-minded and mature about it and keep in mind that even with people who largely agree on things, there can be areas where you don't see eye to eye. Um, So, you know, I've tried not to make a big deal out of the fact that Price openly supports Trump or whatever. Um, But shortly after watching that documentary, I happened to catch a Cult of Dusty live stream, a bit of a divisive figure in his own right. Dusty's an old school atheist content creator who now live streams a couple of nights a week. I think his live streams are pretty entertaining. He does a good job of rounding up the week's stories. He's unabashedly left and um, not as soft-spoken about his political uh, leanings as I am, you know. Um, So if you lean right, there's a good chance that he'll probably rub you the wrong way. Uh, But in that live stream I mentioned uh, that I happened to catch after watching that Lovecraft documentary, he actually played a montage from a recent Robert M. Price interview. And I considered going and finding the clips in question myself, but the versions of the interview I could find were epically long, so I figured, hey, you know, screw it. I'm just going to play Dusty's uh, reaction. And so, like I said, I knew Price was a Trump supporter, but still I was really taken back by some of his comments. Um, When it comes to religion and Lovecraft, he's so thoughtful and erudite, so commonsensical. So to hear him say things that to me sound somewhat unhinged or conspiratorial, uh, it was a bit surreal. Dusty's uh, more gloves off than I am, so his views are his own, and I'll let you know what I think as we uh, as we go along. And be forewarned, um, uh, there's a lot of cursing, a lot of strong language. So I got asked the week before last, why don't you associate with the atheist community anymore? Because um, of this kind of shit. The entire atheist community came in, uh, turned out to be a bunch of con man, shitheads, chud assholes, narcissists, people willing to sell out everything they believe in for a few bucks. Case in point, here's atheist author Robert M. Price uh, going to give his opinion on racism, transphobia, and conspiratorial thinking. And yikes, just goes to show you, just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're smart or a good person. In any way whatsoever. Why do you think some people accuse you of being a racist? Because uh, she's a racist and a conspiracy theorist and a shithead and a creepy old motherfucker. All of the above. And so I warned you. Uh, but in regard to his characterizations of Price, with the exception of perhaps conspiracy theorist, I disagree with Dusty there, unless there's some puzzle piece I'm missing. Uh, In fairness, who knows, maybe there is. I don't think Price is a racist. Even when talking about Lovecraft, he denounces Lovecraft's uh, bigotry. Although, as many Lovecraft historians do, also noting or pointing out that to some degree, Lovecraft's racist views were probably, you know, at least in part, a product of his day. Not that that should be seen as an excuse. And in fairness to uh, Lovecraft, his bigotry or xenophobia did seem to soften over time, as is reflected in his works. 
but as a Lovecraft fan, this is stuff I still really wrestle with, especially the more crude and overt stuff, like his infamous uh, poem, I think it's entitled On the Creation of N-Words, you know, fill in, the, uh, fill in the blank. And while on the topic, I should note, I watched that series, Lovecraft Country, which actually tackles Lovecraft's racism pretty early on and even cites that poem. I thought it was a pretty good series. It didn't absolutely floor me or anything like that, but it kept me entertained more or less. I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, I liked the cast. I thought it was well acted, and I liked the way they tackled certain social issues. But I thought the pacing was a little slow at times, and uh, I thought some of, the some of the horror wasn't quite as Lovecraftian as it could have been. But I will give that opening sequence, it's the first scene we see, I think. Is it a dream sequence? But I'll give that like an A++++, where we see all the Lovecraftian horrors, and they're at like a baseball game, and you see... Cth I thought the um, their interpretation of Cthulhu or Cthulhu was, uh, was absolutely perfect, and that was just a crazy, wild, over-the-top, in the best way possible scene. But anyway, back to Dusty and Price coming to a city near you. Well, I think it's a, a Saul Alinsky move. With trans people, would you, if they wanted to be uh, referred to as a certain pronoun, would you do it? No, I'm afraid I, I will not let people tell me what to say. The only immoral part of the whole trans thing is when kids are actually indoctrinated by leftist teachers uh, to say, well, you know, maybe you ought to switch over. Uh, yeah. and, and Give an example. Give one fucking example ever where a leftist teacher said to one of their students, hey, I mean, you're obviously completely cisgender, but have you ever thought of switching over? You can just switch. You should. Here's puberty blockers. Like, literally never fucking happened. God damn it. Piece of shit liars. And so they have no business doing that. They're and, not doing and when it. you have Black Lives Matter, for uh -huh. instance, saying that they are against the nuclear family and want uh, to see it dismantled. I don't know anything about that. Like Black Lives Matter is not a monolith. So if one Black Lives Matter do said that, uh, don't mean Jack. Dude, looks like, like my dad, doesn't he? What the fuck? At there. Well, you see that again with mm -hmm. these uh, teachers telling kids, well, we're going to talk about you changing gender, but we're not going to tell your parents. Where? What? Where are they talking? What are you talking about? Are you saying they're, the fact that they acknowledge that transgender people exist is trying to get people to switch gender? It doesn't work like that, you know? It's like, just because you tell somebody gay people exist, that doesn't make you gay, okay? I mean, if watching gay porn made me gay, okay, that's a bad example. Do they think they have the right to do that? So I'm just imagining what people who've never been introduced to Dusty before are thinking. Uh, but anyway, so a lot to uh, unpack there. Me personally, unlike Price, I have no problem calling a trans person or whatever, you know, by their preferred pronouns. Believe me, I get the instinct of not wanting to be told what to do. But 
on a personal level, I think, I, I don't think it's your, it's not that you're being told what to do. It's more about common decency. If you're dealing one-on-one -on -one with a fellow human being who happens to be, you know, trans or whatever, why not be respectful and show some human kindness? You know, um, if it's a trans woman, call them her, or if a, a, a tr or him, if it's a trans man, I could see people maybe becoming more flustered or starting to lose patience once you get to things like Z and Zer, but how often are those, you know, thrown about in real life? I don't know. But, you know, recognizing a trans person's preferred uh, gender pronouns, why not? You know, I, I think it's the decent and respectful thing to do. And the thing about teachers supposedly indoctrinating kids, that's the big fear on the right. And it cuts to the heart of that so-called don't say gay bill that's been all over the news lately. So that's the fear. Is it actually happening like Price is, you know, suggesting? I tend to share dusty skepticism. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say there's never... Uh, in certain instances or settings, uh, um, some degree of an agenda afoot or whatever. But um, I, I wouldn't take it to the cartoonish extreme that teachers are kind of rubbing their hands together and trying to get cis kids to become trans or whatever. And regarding Black Lives Matters, you know, their supposed attack on the nuclear family, I made sure not to say nuclear. Um, I have no idea about that first time hearing about it. Like Dusty says, uh, you know, sure, a spokesperson could have said something to that effect. I've personally struggled, to be honest, with how to approach Black Lives Matter, It is, or Black Lives Matters. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. It essentially started out as a decentralized hashtag movement, so whether it was a force for good or bad basically depended on who was wielding the hashtag. It does seem like now, you know, at this point, there is some kind of power structure, and there's even been some kind of financial corruption scandal in the news uh, recently, something to do with millions of dollars and luxury real estate or something like that. What do you think of the Capitol riot? Oh, that that was uh, a, a false flag. Oh, of course operation. it was. Super duper. Um, why I mean, I reported on it every step of the way. They said they were going to do it. They did it. They admitted they did it. But yeah, totally false flag. Do you think Trump lost? I don't think he did. I am persuaded that the election was stolen. By what? By what are you persuaded by? Show me your evidence. Good God. But uh, I, uh, I know this is really going to get me in uh, hot water, hot lava. But uh, I think the death penalty is way too sparsely mm. uh, enacted. I think, that, for instance, that rioters should simply be shot down as they used to be. <laughs> yeah, let's shoot rioters, except for, you know, the January 6th people. They didn't really do that. Doesn't count for them. What he's really talking about is the black rioters. Anybody who riots uh, for black causes. Anybody trying to overthrow the government and install a dictator? Nah, they're cool. Yeah, that's where he really started to lose me. January 6th was a false flag. I think there were suspicions peddled by people like Tucker Carlson, some guy named, what was it, Ray Epps or something like that, 
who they say was um, agitating the crowd that day and they believe was some sort of government plant. I don't think that was ever proven. And even if there were agent provocateurs among the crowd, uh, that would be important, by the way, and it should be, you know, exposed. Um, but let's say for the sake of argument, there were, you know, th uh, theoretical government plants. Would that excuse everyone else's behavior that day? And the thing about shooting rioters, I'm not sure how serious he was being. He seemed pretty serious. That would be pretty extreme. I understand the frustration when, you know, you see things on TV like cities smoldering for weeks or months or the wanton destruction of private property, uh, car dealerships burnt down. Uh, but I would prefer not to see anyone shot dead if it could be avoided, you know. And I thought Dusty made a pretty good point about the hypocrisy of, on the one hand, saying you want rioters shot dead, but the rioters on January 6th, no, uh, that was a false flag. But yeah, didn't know Robert M. Price's politics weren't that far right or that conspiratorial. I'm not going to say it ain't weird, uh, but I'll still listen to him wax philosophical about religion, etc., and try not to throw out the proverbial baby with the bathwater, you know? And after liking him for so many years, it would be hard to just kind of turn that off. And apologies if that one got a little too political for some of your liking. Ironically, next I'm going to respond to a little clip from the most recent episode of Real Time with Bill Maher, where Bill sat down with playwright and author David Mamet, which did get pretty political, but I'm going to focus more on just the fleeting bit that had to do with religion or spirituality. It's still a little political because it has to do with the religious beliefs of the founders, but here it is, just a relatively brief exchange. But you say we do need a, a renewal of vows, in, of vows in this country between citizens. So how do we get there from where this Excellent horrible question. place we are now? That I'm a Jew, right? My people have only been Jews about 6,000 years and we have yet to get used to it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but the Amer America's a Christian country. America was founded on Christian principles. Now we have all different sorts of religions here. But it's, it was founded on Christian principles, which come out of uh, the Bible, which is an expression of Christian principles. And the people who wrote the, 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 the Constitution based it on, on Christian principles. They say that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among those are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And to ensure those rights, only to ensure those rights, are governments instituted uh, among men. So. Men and women. Well, now we now, that was understood right, then the to time, mean right. um, men and women, although it wasn't practiced that way, but it is now, right? And there's nothing wrong with atheism, although those people expressed, a lot of the people who signed the declaration were atheists, but they said we're endowed by our career. Well, deists. What? Deists. Yeah, deists. That's different than atheists. I, I'm sure it is, but I have no idea. It's like, <laughs> it's like naturalism well, and, and a realism. People say, well, everyone, right, in the theater, a, I don't know. A, a deist would say, a tree, that's God. And I would say, really? <laughs> so as you were listening, you might have noticed, you know, a relatively brief clip, but kind of a lot to nitpick uh, about there. Mamet describes America as being a country founded on Christian principles. I would also add enlightenment values. And then it's funny. Uh, next, it's like he goes a little too far where he's describing many of the people who signed the Constitution as having been atheists, where 
Bill is right. They were deists. There were some founding fathers who were outright atheists, I think like Thomas Paine, right? Actually, despite being highly critical of Christianity and often being accused of being an atheist, Paine technically may have been a deist as well. But people like Jefferson, they were deists. Um, they believed in a kind of non-interventionist deity, uh, a god who created or kind of kick-started a clockwork universe, but was kind of hands-off and didn't intervene. And then Bill seems to confuse deism and pantheism, and in fairness, it may have just been a slip on his part, but it's uh, pantheism is where, you know, one looks at the it looks at nature or the universe as God, not deism. But perhaps you could have some kind of overlap there. And so we have a dictionary definition here of pantheism as being a doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God. Then definition two is worship that admits or tolerates all gods. And as part of uh, the Google search results, they also offer this from Wikipedia, which is kind of interesting. Pantheism is the belief that reality is identical with divinity or that all things compose an all-encompassing eminent god or goddess. Okay, and then from Wikipedia concerning deism... Deism is the philosophical position and rationalistic theology that generally rejects revelation as a source of divine knowledge and asserts that empirical reason and observation of the natural world are exclusively logical, reliable, and sufficient to determine the existence of a supreme being as the creator of the universe. Or more simply stated, deism is the belief in the existence of God solely based on rational thought without any reliance on on revealed religions or religious authority. Deism emphasizes the concept of natural theology, that is, God's existence is revealed through nature. So in that sense, maybe, you know, it did sound to me like Bill Maher was confusing deism with pantheism, but in a sense, you know, I guess you could say where he was joking, saying someone who's a deist would say, this tree is God, well, the tree is part of nature, could be seen as evidence of God, I guess, from a, a deistic uh, viewpoint. And then I want to cover one more kind of quick little yet interesting story. It's about uh, what might be the earliest inscription bearing the name of Yahweh, and this is from Heretz. Early Israelite curse inscription found on Mount Ibal, inscribed on a tablet of Aegean lead, the curse in proto-Canaanite script was a legal document, says team that deciphered it using high-tech scanners. So I'll skip down a bit. Now an official curse has been found, engraved on a lead tablet that dates to the biblical age and had saddened the detritus, or is it detritus, of an excavation of Mount Ebal for decades. The Associates for Biblical Research of Houston, Texas announced on Thursday, if the dating of the tablet to the late Bronze Age, the 14th to 13th century BCE, is accurate, it is the earliest such tablet by a century or two, inscribed in proto-alphabetic writing also known as Sinaitic script or proto-Canaanite script, which dates to the late Bronze Age, the Hex text, 
hex text is early Israelite, the team claims, consisting of 40 ancient proto-synatic letters on a lead sheet that was subsequently folded and could only be read by tomographic scanning. Is that correct? Tomographic? Okay. Tomographic scanning. The inscription reads, Cursed, 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 and for extra emphasis, cursed by God, Y-H-W, Yahweh, you will die cursed, cursed you will surely die, cursed by Y-H-W, Yahweh, cursed, 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 did they say cursed enough? Um, I'm still, you know, my I'm trying to let my meds level out, I'm in a weird place, too much cursing. Um, the inscription does not leave much room for doubt that it was a curse. What it might mean for the interpretation of the finds at, at Mount Ebel is another matter. What a way to end a show by reading an ominous ancient curse. But hey, we're supposed to be skeptics here, right? So we have that. Um, anyway, um, as always, thank you for listening, everyone. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter, even though I'm not on there much. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you'd like to help the show out monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash doubt and help the show out for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Thank you.